0: blog talk radio hello everyone welcome to the DLW network i'm your host marcia Patterson. i want to wish everyone a happy sunday it's a beautiful day here in atlanta i mean we're close to the 80s it's just a beautiful day it is may the third we're pretty much through the month of uh, we're done with the month of april now we're into the month of may I'm hoping everyone is well and safe. Um, I know many people are fearful with this coronavirus about moving about, but we just know that I know that trusting in the Lord, we don't operate in fear. I am happy to welcome back on my show Mike McAfee. He is the founder of the uh, Raw Milk Institute, started in 2011. Is that correct, Mark?
1: That's right. That's right. We started in 2011.
0: Yes, and we're here. Mark is going to kind of give us a background a little bit about who, what he does and his vision for the Raw Milk Institute. And a lot of times, as I mentioned to Mark earlier, when I mention raw milk, many people draws up their nose. they think, oh, my God, no, I can't drink raw milk. Why would I want to do that? And we're here to explain the health benefit of raw milk and how raw milk has been served throughout centuries without any health issues or anything, and that we need to go back to the table. I always tell people we need to go back to God's table and leave man's table alone when man's been um, tinkering and changing and um, chemically changing many things. That's the reason why we're in the predicament we're in a lot today. Mark, give my listening audience who's not familiar with you a little bit of background about your mission, your vision for the Raw Milk Institute and why you started
1: well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. The second time we've talked. Um, I was actually one raised on a farm, and when I was young, I was um, on a dairy farm for a while. Uh, my first job out of high school, I was a welder, <laughs> and I uh, I saw a guy almost get killed in a mine. I was working in a mine, and I saw the paramedics come in, and I thought, you know what? I think that's really cool. I want to be on a paramedic on a helicopter, so I went to pre-med. And I, got my certif- I became a certified paramedic. I worked in paramedic medicine for 17 years here in Fresno County. Um, and that was really a very big introduction to humanity because when you're a paramedic, you respond to all kinds of human need with compassion and humanity. Anyway, um, that said, my wife's an RN. I retired from paramedic medicine in 1996 and took over the family farms. And in doing so, I was very, very dedicated to connect directly to consumers. I did not want to be connected to a processor. I wanted to be connected directly to consumers. And I thought, you know, why don't we produce milk? And all the alfalfa and all the stuff we produce here on our farms can feed our own cows. And that quickly grew into Organic Pastures Dairy, which is the largest raw milk dairy in the world. And we produce raw milk now for the state of California and raw cheese that's sold all across the United States and even parts of Mexico and Canada. So that said, um, my background is in organic dairy production and raw dairy production specifically. Um, And in 2010, we recognized that there was a real problem, and that was that people were looking for raw milk, but they were going to the wrong dairy to get it. (laughs) Um, There's two standards for raw milk, raw milk that's intended for human consumption and raw milk that's intended to be pasteurized and they are completely different standards. The FDA only has one standard, and that's the standard they use for the pasteurized milk ordinance for all milk to be pasteurized. And it can have bad bugs in it. It can have Listeria, Campylobacter, E. coli, O157:H7. It can have all kinds of stuff, uh, salmonella, other things. And it comes from an unclean set of conditions. It comes from a, a set of conditions that is intended to be pasteurized, and pasteurization is the process of heating milk up to a place, where bad bugs die off. But in the process of pasteurization, you also uh, neutralize and denature all kinds of wonderfully important things found in raw milk. The other kind of raw milk is raw milk intended for humans directly to be consumed on the farm. And rawmilkinstitute.org, rawmilkinstitute.org, was founded in 2010 and 11, and became alive in 11 by myself because I became so frustrated with the fact that People, would, people were looking for the raw milk and going out to the dairy that was producing raw milk intended for pasteurization, getting that milk, and some people were getting sick. But this is crazy. You have to have strict standards in order to have raw milk that's effective for human consumption. So we've, we start the, uh, established the Raw Milk Institute based on the standards that we basically had in California and f- for the most part in Pennsylvania as well. And now those standards are being used all over the world. In fact, two peer-reviewed articles have just been published in the last year, Uh, PhDs, peer-reviewed articles showing the dramatic decrease in the number of people that have become ill from raw milk in the last 10 years. And a lot of that credit was given to the Raw Milk Institute in training farmers, because we've trained hundreds of farmers in North America. And farmers use their standards, which is zero pathogens, very low bacteria counts, um, in producing the raw milk that's intended for human consumption. Clean, fresh, cold, raw milk that's been tested, and people know what they're doing. They get their training, they've got their standards, and they get their testing three things: training, standards, and testing that is not milk for human uh, for pasteurization, that's raw milk for human consumption. The first comment people make about raw milk for human consumption when they drink it is, "Oh my God, this is delicious. <laughs> the first thing they say is it's delicious. Then they go on to say, oh, my gosh, my tummy feels so good. It doesn't upset my tummy. And then they go on to say, it's not allergenic. It's not something that triggers uh, histamines in my body and mucus production. This is really calming to me. It makes me feel good, and it's delicious. So raw milk is really, really um, on fire right now uh, here in the United States and internationally. Uh, raw Milk Institute works with uh, the UK, they work in can- Canada, work across the United States. We worked in the Azores. We've got a little gal out in the, in, in the Azores and the Islands that's working on raw milk, and we've worked with some people down in Australia. So it's an international organization. We've got a wonderful board of directors, PhDs, uh, Rutgers University PhD. We've got veterinarians and various people that work with us. And uh, it's been a wonderful, wonderful thing to have happen because uh, we now can produce raw milk safely with very, very low risk, uh, and people can really enjoy the health benefits of it. Now, you and I, Martha, you, you and I know that right now we're in the middle of a real mess. We got this whole pandemic yeah. with the coronavirus yeah. going on, yeah. really ugly. Mm-hmm. The one thing that you can hear most all the medical professionals say is, generally speaking, and I'm not talking about the exceptions, but generally speaking, it hits those worst that have compromised immune systems, the immune systems that have some other comor- comorbidity, some other thing that they're sick with, they're um, very heavy and obese, they're diabetic, they're asthmatics, so they have a heart problem, they're taking medication, um, they have some kind of immune compromise, Generally speaking, now there's been exceptions. Uh, some people have gotten very sick and some people even died that appear to be normally healthy people. But generally speaking, the high number of people that have actually gotten really sick and those that have died have generally been those with other problems and or compromised immune systems, which leads me to a very, very important point. And if, if, if everybody could just listen to this one thing that's so important, what is the human immune system? What is it? And we discovered what it was about 20 years ago um, when we started to study the human genome and figuring out the role of bacteria in our body, the role of food that feeds the bacteria, and the role of the gut, the immune system. 80% of the immune system is the biodiversity, the different kinds of bacteria and yeasts and viruses that live in your gut. 80% of the immune system is that structure, the bacteria that's in your gut. When you get rid of your bacteria in your gut and all those good things around it, including good food that it eats, you start having a compromised immune system. In fact, if you take lots and lots of antibiotics uh, over time and you start eating a lot of sugar, you cause autoimmune disease. Um, That's kind of a function of what happens when you lose your biodiversity in your gut. Your Your body starts to react to itself. You're too clean. So if we appreciate and realize that the home of our immune system is in our gut, in our intestines, 80% of us there. Then we can start to learn, okay, how can I eat to support my immune system? And what should I do? What kind of behaviors should I have? Well, here are some things you would never wanna do. Try your very, very best not to take antibiotics. If you take antibiotics, you better do something real quick like take a lot of probiotics and rum up kefir and those things that'll build back that biodiversity of good bacteria in your gut. Antibiotics are terrible, the immune system. They may be helpful for a particular thing you've got today, but on the long term, they destroy your immune system. And they make your your body more susceptible to getting sick. So antibiotics are a no-no. Roundup is an antibiotic, really, really bad for the
2: gut.
1: Sterilized yeah. foods, um, they don't bring back the good bacteria in the gut. Um, foods with preservatives, what are preservatives for? They're to reduce bacteria so that have Foods have a long shelf life. Well, your gut is not a shelf. (laughs) And so you want food to enter your gut and break down immediately to be digested. And that's what – those are the things you would not want to do. Lots of sugar also would be horrible because it causes yeast, and yeast infection really destroys your biodiversity as well. So you want to – these are the things you do want to do. You want to eat a whole food diet. Reduce your sugar intake. Try to get rid of as many um, preservatives as possible in your diet. Stay away from Roundup, stay away from antibiotics. You wanna embrace whole foods that come directly from good soils. Um, that is the, the really the, the wholesome principle of how you nourish your immune system to make it function well. And then you add back good bacteria. You add in uh, raw milk kefir is a fantastic probiotic food that brings in over 100 different kinds of bacteria. In some samples they found 150 different kinds of bacteria. It's a way of, quote, rewilding your gut, rewilding your gut, bringing back the diversity of bacteria so that you have the immune experience to deal with a diversity of threats. You know, every year the flu comes, and I never get the flu, and everybody I know drinks raw milk doesn't get the flu. (laughs) Because you know what? Their gut is filled with the diversity of bacteria and viruses that come from a natural consumption of of being exposed to this diversity of bacteria and, and viruses. And your body is experienced, it has antibodies. It, ha- it doesn't see things as foreign threats. It's like, I know you, I've seen you before, and I know how to deal with you. I've got antibodies. So your body builds a stronger immune system when it eats whole, unprocessed foods, and raw milk is the champion of that dinner plate because it has the biodiversity, different kinds of bacteria. It has all of the systems that support that bacteria, lots of protein systems, lactoferrin, lactopyridoxidase, alkaline phosphatase. I mean, you go on and on and on and on. All these microRNA, all these things that are found in raw milk, they're destroyed in pasteurization, are part of the raw milk whole food matrix, the whole system of raw milk. And you think about raw milk, what is raw milk? It's the first food of life. Mammals nurse their young with raw milk. They nurse their, you know. and, And think about it. Think about it. A baby is born, and it's born in the most weakened state of its entire life. And Mother Nature has created a food, the first food of life, that is going to support that baby and build an immune system that didn't exist before, and it does it through the gut by transferring those wonderful antibodies from mom, the food that feeds the bacteria, all the different things that come from mom, from the breast, from the the udder, through the baby's gut. The human's gut comes from raw milk. And so it is by function, got a million things in it as a result of a million years of evolution to do one thing, optimize the survival and the strength of the immune system of the next generation. And that is a profound thing to think about because pasteurization screws it all up. Antibodies are denatured, proteins are denatured, all those wonderful f- functional food uh, elements the biome, the microbiome that actually makes up raw milk is destroyed. And as a result, what you get is yeah, you get some fat and you get some protein and you get some sugar. But you know what? You don't get all the elements in living whole form that have a function in your gut to build that microbiome like the first third of life. And so, those people that drink raw milk and, and raw dairy products and other, and other whole foods, by the way, have a very strong immune system and generally don't get sick, what other people do. There's a lot of studies out there that show that um, the flu uh, viruses are suppressed greatly because of these elements found in raw milk, which save babies' lives. Breastfed children do much better than those that aren't because of the fact that raw milk suppresses virus infections. That's well-known in the, in the peer-reviewed literature. Um, oligosaccharide sugars suppress the growth of pathogenic bacteria and enhance the growth of good bacteria in your gut, the bifidobacteria. So it's an incredibly important health secret which should not be kept a secret. People should share it broadly that whole unprocessed milk and dairy products are profoundly immune system-supporting and encourages a good microbiome in the gut. So that's kind of a short speech on why raw milk is so important.
0: Now, you said earlier that when you first got started back in 2010 and 2011, you found that people were looking for the raw milk. Now, I thought pretty much at that point in time of the 20, you know, 2011, 2010, that no one was still producing raw milk, that everything was pasteurized. Had raw milk really died off at any point in the United States and then picked back up again, or was there some… No. um
1: No. Uh, Raw milk has been around in California continuously since the the 1800s. It's always been legal. in in several states across the United States, several states, Pennsylvania, Washington State, uh, other states, raw milk's always been legal, but it's always been heavily regulated. There are states that have made raw milk illegal as early as 1920s and 30s, and pasteurization has been the only thing available. However, there's only a handful of states left right now that don't have raw milk legal in some fashion because consumers have wanted it. To think about it, let's say you've got a sister out in California, and she, she drinks raw milk she loves it. But you live up in Wisconsin, and you can't get raw milk legally. Aren't you going to be a little upset and want raw milk at home in Wisconsin? And the answer is absolutely. And so that's what's happened is the communication and people back and forth saying, I want raw milk just like my sister or brother or some friend that lives in a place that's legal. And so the laws have changed over the last 20 years, and now we only have a handful of, of states left which don't have access to raw milk. Now most, a lot of those states, you have to go to a cow share, you have to go on farm. Um, you know, in California, we can go to 450 stores and get it. But at the bottom line is, uh, other states may not have the same kind of rules. But uh, we we started producing raw milk here in California in 1999, but it had been continuously produced by the Altadena Stuby brothers had it in, in Los Angeles for 50 years, um, and others before them. So raw milk's been around. It's it's been it's part of the American um, landscape for many many years. But it's been suppressed by the pasteurization industry because the pasteurization people don't get to process it, and it bypasses them. It goes from the farmer directly to the consumer. And so it really upsets the FDA, who's really in bed with the big processing companies, that they don't get to dip into that and make money out of it because they can't control raw milk. Raw milk is kind of rogue. It's outside of their control, and it goes from farmer to consumer. And that's very upsetting to the processors that can't control the milk and bring it into their own processing plants.
0: Wow. And so it never really died off. It was there, but kind of like hidden in various pockets throughout the United States. And people, only a few people knew about this because, like you said, it was being suppressed. Now, we talked about the benefits of raw milk. Uh, can you talk about the, uh, the beta, I think it was uh, the alpha interferon, interferon with the milk, the molecules, some of the healthy properties that's in that milk?
1: There's immunoglobulins down in raw milk. Immunoglobulins. Mm-hmm. There's um, a gamma interferon. There's alpha interferon. There's all kinds of different... Those are proteins, by the way. They're immunoregulating proteins. And that's not the only one. There's a whole load of them. I have attended for the last 10 years the International Milk Genomics Consortium Conference held all over the world every year. And These are the PhD researchers that research everything found in raw milk and they talk about it because they really are interested in promoting the health of babies based on breast milk feeding. And Some are even trying to make, quote, a better baby formula, but they can't. They're very frustrated because breast milk cannot be replicated, it's a living food. So um, there's all these things, these systems found in in the immunoglobulins or obviously antibodies um, along with other proteins. Um, a lot of enzymatic proteins, a lot of micro-RNAs, which are communication systems that are based on DNA um, and RNA, ribonucleic acid, um, alkaline phosphatase, which is a very anti-inflammatory enzyme, completely destroyed in pasteurization, um, lactoferrin, lactoperoxidase, all these safety systems that Mother Nature put in there to control pathogens to make sure that milk would be safe for the baby. Now, all those things are denatured and changed in some way. When you pasteurize, uh, raw milk still has to be produced in a clean way, but when you do, all those systems are functional and have a very good effect on raw milk and they have an effect on your gut. They, um, it's a living food. Remember the gut is not just a sterile place. It's not sterile at all. It's, it's alive and it's the, it's the 80% of the function of the immune system is interrelated to the microbiome, the bacteria and the food that feeds the bacteria and the gut. Well, raw milk is the ultimate gut-feeding food because it has all this other information, information literally, um, that goes down there and helps keep things organized. It directs your immune system to function properly because remember, babies are born without an immune system. How do they get it? From the mother's breast milk. And that's how they get it. We can get that same thing from cows. We can get that same immune system function from drinking raw milk in cows. And we've done that for 10,000 years in the land of milk and honey, uh, that wasn't pasteurized. You know What would Jesus eat, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. You think about it, it was raw milk and raw honey, and those are the foods that really preserve mankind and have for all time. I've got friends that are Maasai um, from Kenya, and they drink raw milk, raw blood, everything in Kenya, no problem. They come to the United States, they get sick on pasteurized milk. And so even those that uh, are, are from Asian, Asian descent – um they have a, a a lot of lactose intolerance, quote unquote, in Asia. But the Mongolians, um, in outer Mongolia, they're very much Asian Chinese in, in their in their genetic origins. They drink the heck out of raw horse milk all the time. And lots of, of um of fermented forms of raw milk, kefir. And they do great. So it's pasteurization intolerance more than anything, not lactose intolerance. Um in fact I think what's happening here is the body recognizes a a dead food. And when you pasteurize milk at 175, 180, 280 degrees, depending on what temperature you choose to pasteurize, the enzymes are denatured. The bacteria are lysed, they're broken open. So the information that inside the cell wall, that's normally inside the cell wall, the the mitochondria and all the things inside the cells are now outside because the cell walls have been broken open. And those are – that's like waste. Your body sees that and goes, wait a minute. That's not a living bacteria. That's pieces of dead bacteria. I'm going to produce a bunch of white blood cells. I'm going to produce a bunch of mucus, and I'm going to get all that stuff and cough it all up, get it out of here because it doesn't belong in my body. Only living things are in your body, not dead things. Dead things are a waste. Get rid of them. And so when people get a lot of mucus production from drinking pasteurized milk, it's because all the dead stuff has been annihilated by the heat. You don't get that reaction um, from raw milk because everything's alive. And so raw milk is a wonderfully functional food, and in this time right now with coronavirus, I tell you what, those that are drinking raw milk, (laughs) anecdotally, I don't have any science yet, we're working on a big study right now, but um, anecdotally are saying, we don't get sick. Uh, The people that have actually had... um, their their um, antibodies tested that have become positive for coronavirus. Their story is, I never knew I even got it. Uh, my immune system is functioning just fine. And hopefully we'll have a big study here in the next uh, couple of months that will tell that story with more data. All we have right now is some anecdotal information.
0: Now, can raw milk spoil?
1: It doesn't spoil. It lacto-ferments. It lacto In fact, lacto raw milk is called Kefir. <laughs> Uh, it's also cheese that's what raw milk does it's fresh uh, immediately out of the cow for a couple of hours even if it's warm it does just fine but remember it has a little bit of bacteria in it and that bacteria is Mm -hmm. beneficial bacteria and those bacteria double every 20 minutes at body temperature and quickly drops the pH down to become acidic and it starts to lacto-ferment it starts to sour and that sour milk is actually very very good for you um, that's what yogurt is, that's what sour cream is, that's what cheese ultimately becomes, and that's certainly what kefir is. So it, it doesn't rot like a pasteurized milk, which has a putrefaction process because it doesn't have any beneficial bacteria. There's no beneficial bacteria found in, in pasteurized milk. It's pretty much all dead. But raw milk has living components in it that, that cause it to lacto-ferment, uh, which can actually create some additional wonderful foods.
0: So... What about the milk that comes directly after a cow gives birth, the colostrum? Talk about that. Do you sell sell that? What's the benefit of the colostrum? And why would we want to consume that too?
1: Well, colostrum is a fantastic, fantastic food. It really, really is. Uh, We used to be able to legally sell it, and the FDA changed the rules on us about 10 years ago and said it was illegal to sell uh, raw colostrum um, for human consumption, it can only be sold for pet food. That was the FDA. Uh, they they did that personally to me. Uh, we were selling it uh, as a dietary supplement and doing very well with it. But uh, they got quite upset with the fact that we were selling our raw colostrum into the marketplace. So what raw colostrum has in the first few hours of production? The cow gives birth to a calf, where a mother gives birth to a baby. The first milk that comes out of the breast or the udder is not milk. It's actually a blood serum that's coming from the arteries and veins of the body as blood sub-components, like uh, uh, mostly antibodies, a lot of antibodies, uh, proteins. And um, that transfers the immune system components from mom's immune system experience, the antibodies that she's had in her life, to the baby. And that's a fantastic uh, way to boost your immune system. A lot of... um, immunoglobulins, IgA and IgG, IgM, come from and uh, these antibodies that are coming from the, the colostrum. However, colostrum quickly goes away after just a couple of days because as um, the, the nursing, the, the milking continues, uh, guess what? Milk starts coming from the lacteal glands. The lacteal glands produce milk. Um, colostrum does not come from the lacteal glands. It comes from the arteries and veins of uh, the blood system of the body. So it's actually pre-milk. It's not actually milk, but if you can get your hands on colostrum, um, and it comes from a good quality source, that's a very, very powerful immune system building food.
0: And and you just drink that, or how do you how do you consume the colostrum? You take it like a tablespoon, or how is that consumed?
1: Well, you know, the uh, most people just get a, a cup of it and squirt a little chocolate in there and stir it up and guzzle it down. It doesn't taste bad. It it has a little bit of a rich okay. flavor to it because it it's not it's not milk so much. But it's kind of a thick milk or thicker milk. And I, the people I know make a smoothie out of it, out of banana and some berries or something like that, maybe a little honey in a blender. Or they'll just drink it with some chocolate or just drink it straight. Um, it, 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 it has – after the first milking, you're going to start having some milk with the colostrum, and then you go out two or three mm-hmm. days, and it's mostly milk with some colostrum. So it's kind of a washout that occurs in the udder right there beginning um, after the baby's been born.
0: And that will help build up your immune system, too?
1: Very powerfully, yes, very powerfully. Um, in fact, <laughs> it's interesting you, you're asking this question. I'm in, involved with a uh, study right now that's been funded by the FDA, believe it or not. Uh, believe it or not, this wow. is uh, an okay. interesting time. Um, UC Davis, our friends up at UC Davis right now, uh, PhD researchers and myself been friends for many years, We are doing something called hyperimmune milk right now at Organic Pastures Dairy as part of a a research study with UC Davis. It's been known for many, many years, for a long time, that if a cow is exposed to a pathogen, a bad bacteria or a virus or something, in the last eight or ten weeks right before she gives birth to a calf, she will produce those antibodies herself. And they will be expressed. They will be found in the colostrum she produces when the baby is born. So what we're doing is we're exposing the coronavirus to the cow uh, six weeks before she oh. gives birth the calf. So that, what do you know? When the calf is born, you can take that colostrum in the milk she produces. And what do you know? You've got yourself antibodies specifically to Body. coronavirus.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Yeah, it's wow. going to be big news. Uh, we already know that it works. Um, uh, we know that it works because we vaccinate our calves for coronavirus and rhinovirus, and cows have some of those lasting um, antibodies in their in their in, in their body, and it comes out in the milk already. So we know that you can find some in the milk already, but this is actually a specific way to trigger a high level of immunoglobulin A and G in her milk for therapeutic purposes. But it would be no different than just drinking raw milk because uh, when you pasteurize milk, you destroy the antibodies. So this would be raw milk that's hyperimmune, that the cow has been triggered to actually produce um, high levels of this immunoglobulin because she's been exposed to a pathogen. Wow. Pretty interesting stuff. Pretty good stuff.
0: And it is. It is very interesting. And I truly believe is, you know, more and more people are becoming more aware of genetically modified food and they don't Mm -hmm. want the animals being injected with so many hormones and antibiotics Mm -hmm. and things like that. And then individuals are taking these antibiotics. Our our immune system is whacked up. It's all messed up from the children using antibiotics. And so now our body don't know how to defend itself, so now we have to put food in our system that allows our body to be able to fight. What about the fact? That's the healthy fat that's in the milk. Because early years showed that when we had individual farms and people were milking their own cows, had the real rich butter, we didn't have the heart disease and other things. So can we address the healthy fat in the butter yes. that comes from the yes. cows?
1: Yes. Remember this. The alkaline phosphatase enzyme. Alkaline phosphatase was studied in Europe a few years back by a guy by the name of J.P. Lyles. He was a Ph.D. in France. And they found that the raw cheese had very high levels of alkaline phosphatase, which is a very anti-inflammatory enzyme. And, by the way, that anti-inflammatory enzyme, about 50% of it is carried on the butterfat molecule. So when you have skim milk, you have virtually none of that. But when you have whole milk, where you have butter, which is 80% butter fat, you have very, very high levels of this alkaline phosphatase enzyme, which is anti-inflammatory. And there's all kinds of other wonderful benefits. Remember that babies' brains, the, when the baby is born, it needs good fat from mom so that it can build its brain. And if you don't, if you do not have baby um, uh, breast milk or, or fat, you can actually cause brain damage. And that's why you have so many problems with vegans. With their children because they, their children are suffering so terribly that they, their, their nervous tissue needs to have the, the fat that makes the swan cells around um, the cholesterol around each of the nerves as well as the brain. So, really, really important. The fats found, especially in cows that are grazed on grass or have some grass in their, in their grazing, have very high levels of CLA, the conjugated linoleic acid, omega 3 fatty acids that are very anti inflammatory, very anti cancer, they're antioxidant. So Mother Nature had this all figured out a long time ago until we all came in and screwed it all up. Um, we screwed it up really badly. But people are starting to recognize that these foundational, functional foods are absolutely critical to health. And um, they're delicious. You know, you make a smoothie out of it, add a banana and some berries in there. And oh, my gosh, it's absolutely delicious to have a smoothie with raw milk and raw, uh, raw kefir. Um, they're fantastic gut biome foods in terms of keeping your immune system functioning properly. And fat is a very, very important part of that. And butter fat, because remember, butter is just cream coming from milk. It takes three gallons of milk to make one pound of butter. So you, you take all that cream off the milk. Yeah, you, a gallon of uh, three gallons of milk makes two pints of cream. Two pints of cream makes one pound of butter. <laughs> so, anyway, very, very, very highly concentrated anti-inflammatory food, which is very, very important for the immune system, you hear uh, the scientists talking about cytokine storms, cytokine storms in people that have coronavirus, which is an overreaction to the inflammation response to uh, the invasion of your body by some viruses. Well, guess what? These anti-inflammatory components found in raw, raw milk control that. In fact, the studies found that uh, in Europe, they come in out of Europe. They've not been in the United States, or in Europe. The raw whey protein that's found in raw whey actually mm-hmm. controls histamine at the mast cells. The mast cells are where histamines and cytokines are released. It actually has an immunoregulating uh, way to keep that throttle down so it doesn't go crazy and have a big response, a big cytokine storm. So, you know, your body works together. In multiple systems altogether, in this microchasm we have, we call ourselves humans. But I tell you what, it's a there's a lot more genetics that comes from bacteria in our bodies than the human from mom and you know mom and dad contributing from um, you know when you're born. So we really have to think of ourselves as a whole being, and we have to nourish that body with whole foods. Whole foods bring on happy bacteria, and the bacteria and all the other things in the microbiome work together work together and they can be easily screwed up big time with antibiotics, the genetically modified organisms, and certainly Roundup and sugars and all those other things. It puts it all out of whack, puts it all out of balance. Get back to the farmers market foods and the unprocessed foods, the whole foods, and guess what? You start functioning properly and you don't get sick. Or if you do it's short in duration and you get over it fast because that's how you're supposed to do it. Um, but you can define the immunocompromised person as the person who doesn't eat that way. And they're very overweight. They have major problems with diabetes or pre-diabetic. They have asthma, allergies, all kinds of reactions, food sensitivities, um, you know, immunocompromised, autoimmune issues, Crohn's disease. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. And the big the answer is basically whole food nutrition, whole food nutrition. Sadly, sadly in our country, we have food deserts. And in the food deserts, right. it's very hard to find those foods, right? And yeah. it's very hard to find those foods when you're socioeconomically depressed. Um, you know, 7-Elevens down the street are not the place you're going to find whole food. And mm-hmm. so you have to go out and you have to learn how to cook. You, they're not fast food. You have to go to farmer's market. You have to go to the farm. Uh, you have to learn how to cook and nurse yourself. And those are things that, have been lost in the last couple of, of generations of culture here in the United States with the emergence of fast foods and highly processed foods and easy, cheap food. Um, it's just been deprioritized to eat a whole food diet, which is the basis of a good immune system. <laughs> so.
0: Now, um, another thing, we talk about that because, you know, I'm, I'm a big, I'm, I am a member of the Western Price. I follow Dr. Yes. Western Price and Natasha Campbell McBride and um, Sally Fallon. But one thing with Dr. Weston Price's film when he talked about the teeth and, you know, his, his studies that he did and that some countries when they have the, the butter, the first, um, the first um, milking of the cows from spring um, grass and things like that and how rich and thick the um, yellow, the butter can be. And that fat. Now, what about cholesterol from the fat from versus uh, pasteurized milk and raw milk? Is there any difference? What's with the cholesterol from pasteurized to raw? Are we going to
1: see any difference where
0: high cholesterol would yes both the
1: pasteurized yes. to raw? Okay. Well, pasteurization um, is has a wholesale effect. I mean, it has a broad effect on milk. Um, it it activates enzymes. It changes. All kinds of things in the milk. Not just one thing. We're talking about everything that's changed. So, uh, cholesterol is a very important building block for all your cell walls in your body. All your cell walls are built of cholesterol. And, um, you know, cholesterol misbehaves itself at, when there's lots of inflammation in your body. <clears throat> inflammation is brought on by pharmaceuticals, by stress, by preservatives, by infection by antibiotics, by a microbiome in your gut that's all messed up, you know, you shouldn't have inflammation on a constant basis. Um, Inflammation should come and go. Inflammation is good to fight an infection, but then it should go away. It shouldn't be here persistently. But if you want to have a chronic disease, all you need to do is bring on chronic inflammation. Chronic inflammation will cause that. If you want to decrease chronic inflammation, you need to increase biodiversity of bacteria in your gut and increase the food that it, that's, that's available to feed it. Inflammation is driven by the loss of biodiversity of bacteria in your gut and the food to feed it. That's what you get inflammation. If you want to have lower inflammation, inflammation, where cholesterol is doing what it's supposed to do instead of misbehaving like causing plaques and things like that, where it's actually trying to repair broken stuff, then you're going to need to eat a whole food diet because inflammation is driven by... Uh, loss of biodiversity in the gut and the and the the whole food that feeds it. Wow, wow,
0: that is good. And you know, because many times, first time people want to do a diet, the first thing they do is they they cut off the dairy. The first thing they take, is leave away the dairy because the dairy is bad for you. The thyroid, thyroid. Um, people who have thyroid problems go off the die, diet. Uh, at least my daughter was having thyroid problem. The doctor took her off her dairy no dairy and her thyroid cleared up is that because we were doing pasteurized milk, uh, yes. dairy. Stuff? Remember
1: that, remember that pasteurized milk is the number one, number one, most allergenic food in America. It triggers inflammation like crazy in people. It doesn't have all those things that we're talking about, right? It's because things have been destroyed and changed. So <clears throat> doctors bless their hearts have had very little training on the microbiome and raw milk and all those other things that are whole food. They think of of individual systems. They think of drugs. They think of pharmaceuticals. They think of trying to get rid of those things triggering the problem. And they're actually right. Pasteurized dairy causes lots of inflammation in the body, causes trigger of mucus response. It's horrible for people with asthma. But yet raw milk makes asthma get better. There's all kinds of studies in Europe showing that to be true. I've seen kids with horrendous asthma um, get much better on raw cream and raw milk and raw milk kefir. In fact, you go to a website called FarmersOverPharmacies.com. FarmersOverPharmacies.com. There's great video um, uh, information there showing interviews of people that have completely recovered from Crohn's disease, severe food allergies, and uh, uh, dairy allergies using raw milk. So the science is there. It's whether the willpower is there. And doctors, unfortunately, are not going to give you the information. What you will have to do is seek out, uh, like, a nutritional therapist, somebody who knows about whole food nutrition and preventing disease. And <clears throat> unfortunately, they're not everywhere around. Um, Westgate Price, there's a lot of people in in Westgate Price that have this information. But those that understand nutritional therapy, whole food therapy, and the microbiome will really be able to quickly fix the problems you've got through whole food nutrition.
0: Now... Back in the early years, when tuberculosis was the main cause for um, the pasteurizing, the, the, the reason they decided to pasteurize the milk, uh, are we still having tuberculosis today, or no? Is that kind of off the? That's no longer around. Well, here, of milk.
1: here's the thing. Tuberculosis is found spotty in spotty places all over the world. Uh, it's found in wild deer. Uh, tuberculosis can make you sick. It's not good. However, we have very effective testing for tuberculosis and brucellosis. So it's no longer really a challenge or problem at all. In fact, in the United States, it's not considered a problem at all because we have tuberculosis-free herds. We test our cows for tuberculosis every year. It's not even considered an issue at all. We're more concerned about things like E. coli, one five seven eight seven than and salmonella than we'd be worried about brucellosis or tuberculosis. Back 120 years ago, yes, it was a challenge. There was typhoid as well. There was all kinds of things that were water related, uh, sanitary related, and also very poor nutrition and poor health for the cows. Uh, cows that were taken off the farm and to downtown Boston and being fed brewer's distillers, grains um, in a muddy mess with no hot water and no cleansers or anything to clean anything, that milk was killing 40% of people to drink it. It was disgusting. And when they started cooking mm-hmm. it, fewer people died. Fewer people died. So, yeah, that, those were kind of the dark ages in the late 1800s and mid-1800s when people started taking their cows to town. Uh, you didn't have those kinds of problems when the cows were out in the sunshine and the grass you know, 30, 40 miles out, outside of town the like rolling grasslands in Pennsylvania. You didn't see that problem. But you, do, you bring that, that cow into town and you start feeding her things that she's not supposed to eat and you have unclean water and you start getting some real serious problems. So that's what was going on then. Now we understand bacteriology. We understand testing pathogens. We have very advanced science. We also understand the right kind of conditions to keep that cow clean and keep her in sunshine and grass, which are the the natural conditions that predispose to good health of the cow. And then we can validate and verify that, especially with the Raw Milk Institute standards. We test every year to make sure that cows don't have uh, those problems. And we have never had a problem. It's just not down because we test for it.
0: Okay, explain to me about um, uh, 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 sharing uh, sharing a cow on how some states will not allow people to purchase raw milk directly, but what farmers have done is put a program together where people have invested in this cow and they own a share of that cow, so because of that, that milk can be theirs without any problem. Is that correct?
1: Well, here's the thing. Nowhere in the United States of America or even Canada is it illegal for you to own your own cow and drink your own raw milk, okay? If you own the cow yourself, you can legally drink the milk from that cow. No law will keep you from drinking the milk from your own cow. So where it's illegal to buy raw milk, people sign what's called a herd share contract where you actually buy a part of a cow. It's kind of a little co-op, you know? You and a bunch of other families get together and say, okay, we want raw milk. So they go down to a farmer and say, let's sign a contract with you where we, we own some of these cows you've got here, and we're going to pay you to milk them for for us. We're going to come by here and pick up the milk every week. And that's uh, been found to be legal in most states where cow shares have actually been made completely legal. It's uh, places like Colorado. There's 150 cow shares in Colorado, all registered with the state of Colorado, where milk is um, – distributed, we don't use the word sold, but distributed to people through cow ownership with the cows being the consumer, the consumer owns the cow. So yeah, there's different forms of that contract and um, you know, pretty much it's been widely accepted as legal, uh, although there are a couple of states where uh, cow shares have been made illegal.
0: Wow, wow. Well, we're going to yep. take a break. I'm going give to you, give you a rest. And I'll remind our listening audience you are on the D-Hour Network. I'm your host, Marcia Patterson, and we have the guest, Mike McAfee, but we'll be right back. of the Raw Milk Institute. Uh, Mark, you know with everything that's going on here in the United States with the coronavirus and many people not working, some people losing their jobs, not having no income, you know I'm thinking maybe this' be a great time for people to make a switch to say, well maybe I want to be a farmer, maybe I want to be a dairy farmer. How do one train to be an organic um, farmer for, for raw milk?
1: Well, I wouldn't want to be an organic dairyman and I wouldn't want to be a conventional dairyman. Um, I I would want to be a raw dairyman. Being organic means you're selling it off to be pasteurized. You can be organic and raw, but that's unusual. Uh, Most of the organic uh, farmers I know sell their milk to be processed. That's where you see the the organic brands like Horizon and stuff at the stores. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about healthy soils, healthy farmers, and healthy consumers, healthy cows. Um, and so the word organic has kind of unfortunately been whitewashed and greenwashed. Greenwashed is the word I'm okay. looking for. Um, and it's <laughs> lost a lot of its value, a lot of its value. Uh, raw is what we're talking about here. And, yeah, this would be a great time to start because you don't need very many cows to make good money. You could do you could do a really bang-up job with 10, 15 cows. You really could do a great job. But it's about educating people. It's not You, you don't go sell raw milk, by the way. If people don't understand what it is that they're buying, they won't buy it. So we have a saying: it's uh, you don't sell raw milk, you teach raw milk. And when people understand about raw milk and the gut biome and the health benefits, they'll buy it all day long. But if yeah. you just put raw milk for sale, uh, most people walk by going, "What's that? I don't know. I don't know what you mean." Um, you have to have an educated group of people that are interested in buying it. Uh, I know in Wisconsin we've got some farmers up there really working hard to change the law to allow raw milk to be sold legally, and uh, we're supporting a farmer. Who just got listed, Chaz Self. Chaz Self has just got listed up there. You can look at rawmilkinstitute.org. He's got a wonderful dairy up in in Wisconsin that he uh, works with cow shearers, and he's trying to make raw milk legal. And he just got listed by the Raw Milk Institute. Has a wonderful food safety plan, doing a great job up there. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, as a farm um, that's connected to consumers <laughs> right now, the farmers that are disconnected from consumers are having a terrible time right now. There's 3 million gallons of milk being dumped every day in America from the big conventional dairies wow. because they've lost the markets. They lost the restaurants, the, the store, uh, the uh, um, food service and schools. They have 30% more milk than there's a place to go and they can't, Open up their bottling plants that were closed many years ago because people stopped drinking pasteurized milk and and make more pasteurized milk quickly. So, having a hell of a time just dumping the milk in the fields. But the raw milk producers, the raw milk producers are thriving because we are able to adapt and we're very resilient because guess what? We are connected directly to our customers. When they say what they want, we respond immediately. We don't have to go through some processor to get permission or open up a plant or do this or do that. We just do it. We're on farm. We've got it going. We just change the plan and go. And in California, uh, at Organic Pastures Dairy, our, our operations, we're thriving. We've never seen better sales. We've never seen more consumers wanting to fix their immune systems, wanting to eat whole natural foods. We're thriving. When we have neighbors that their milk prices have dropped from 18 to $20 a hundredweight down to 10 to $12 a hundredweight, which is $7 per hundredweight less than cost of production, they're, 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 they're suffering terribly, where we're doing great. So it's very interesting that, that it wouldn't be a conventional dairy. It wouldn't be even organic dairy. It would be a raw dairy using organic principles, let's put it that way, but connect, connected directly to consumers. That's the... That's the day of the game. Make sure you've got your own trucks to, to deliver them. Make sure you've got your own on-farm plant. Make sure you've got control of your food chain so you can go from farm to consumer and not be interrupted by some processor.
0: So what type of cows are best for dairy cows, um, I mean for milk cows? What cows are the best? Uh, Holstein, well, I I, I
1: I tend I tend not to say one cow's better than another because I think I love them all. But <laughs> the bottom line is, cows are more adapted to certain kinds of feed and certain kinds of conditions. Um, I'm kind of biased a little bit towards Jersey Holstein crosses. <laughs> I like cross cows because anytime you get into a purebred, they do one thing really really well and other things not so well. But if you crossbreed them together, they tend to do everything pretty well. So crossbreeds, I really like uh, Jersey Holstein crosses. That's kind of my bias. They do very well on pasture. They do very well on butterfat. They do great on on breeding, and and they got good feet. Uh, They don't have problems delivering their calves. They're just a healthy, good cow. Um, But that's my bias. Uh, Everybody has their own opinions on that.
0: (laughs) And so part of the training will be educating people, making the choices about which cows are best for them, and how to go about feeding them. Do any of these cows get um, uh, antibiotics or any shots or anything like that?
1: Never, never. We do not give antibiotics or hormones to any of our animals at all, ever. There's no reason for it. If you have the cows in the right conditions and they're being fed well, why would they get sick? And, you know, if they do get sick, we slaughter them. We get rid of them. And it keeps your herd in a really healthy condition because you, you just get rid of those tendencies and our coal rates are much lower than the conventional dairies, by the way. Um, we we keep our cows longer on our dairies, much longer than the regular dairies that uh, are suffering right now. But, yeah, no antibiotics, no hormones ever in our cows. Just lots of good feed.
0: And so the udders are not expanding out like the ones that they were giving them, other ones, um, I was showing them giving them growth hormones so they can produce more milk, which was causing more mucus and stuff. So explain about that, what they were doing to those animals, injecting those growth hormones in them so they can produce more milk.
1: Well, the dairy industry in America, the conventional dairy industry, has a big, big problem. Back in 1970, a guy by the name of of Earl Butts. Earl Butts was the Secretary of Agriculture under Nixon. He said, get big or get out. What's the big thing? Get big or get out. And he he was a big believer that big farms were going to eat little farms and the bigger and bigger and bigger consolidation, we're going to make lots and lots of cheap food, and we're going to export this food around the world, we're going to feed the world, and America was going to run the show. Well, we found out how well that worked. There's been a stress test on that system. In the last two months, we found out that it doesn't work at all. It is a failure. And get bigger, get out means you have fewer and fewer massive dairies. You have fewer and fewer massive uh, beef uh, processing plants. And when one or two close down, you start having food shortages. So this major, huge industrial system (coughs) that's been talked about (coughs) and been worked on for years and years to consolidate the power, has actually failed. And it's resulted in empty shelves and stores and all kinds of problems. And the dairymen are suffering themselves because they can't the, the food system is not resilient. It doesn't respond to the consumers very well. Where the farmers, the consumers that are doing raw, have a wonderful food system that works really well. It adapts, it changes, it evolves, it's resilient, and it, it works really, really well. So <clears throat> um You know, we are seeing right now the results of the stress test that we've been put under, and consumers are recognizing that, wait a minute, we don't want to have this kind of system for our future. We need to change it. But you know what? When you try to change a system, those in power don't want to see that change. So we're going to have a little bit of an evolution, revolution going on, and the biggest thing consumers can do is nourish themselves by connecting directly to a farmer, feed the farmer, feed yourself, and you'll do well. And that dollar voting of doing feeding the farmer, feeding yourself, uh, will actually change things over time. Where you start out that big paradigm of get bigger, get out, and you start being local, connected, local connected with whole food nutrition, which is better for the uh, ecosystem for sure. It's absolutely better for the cow. It's better for the farm. It's certainly better for your gut and your immune system. So it's a much better system, um, and it's adaptive and it's resilient and it's sustainable. It's restorative. And it's the way America should look going forward, and the rest of the world should to take advantage of that as well.
0: Well, currently, how many states allow raw milk throughout the United States at this time?
1: Uh, you, it's broken into pieces. You've got like 12 states right now, I believe. 12 states allow re- retail sale on the store shelf. And then you've got like 20 states where you have to you know, buy a member of a cow share. And then there's some other states where you have to have a farm share. And then there's just a handful of states that uh, it's illegal.
0: So what's so do we have states where I can just actually just walk into a grocery store or store and buy raw milk on the shelf? Do we have any of those? You said is is that? Yes, California.
1: California, you can you can buy milk from uh, from directly store-bought raw milk from our farm. 450 stores in California. In the state of Washington it's legal to buy raw milk in the store. state of Arizona, it's legal to buy raw milk in the stores. New Mexico, you can buy it in the stores. Pennsylvania, you can buy it in the stores. Connecticut, Maine, um, you can buy it in the stores. You can buy it in Utah in the stores. Idaho, you can buy it in the stores. And I believe South Carolina and Florida as pet food. So, yes, it's um, uh, all over the United States, yes, but not all states. And then you got some states where raw milk is, you have to, go to the, get, get it from a cow share or something else. You can't buy it from the store.
0: So at this time, what's your mission for the uh, Real Milk Institute? What is your mission with the are we gonna have real butter now? Or what's your goal? What are your long your short term goals as well as long term goal with the raw milk
1: institute? The raw milk institute's goal is to continue to improve the safety profile and the risk profile for raw milk production for farmers. It also has a very important mission to educate consumers about the benefits of raw milk for their health. So it's a farmer-to-consumer kind of mission. The farmers are supported to to connect to their consumers, and we educate the food chain. We educate the consumers about the benefits of raw milk. We we, um, educate the farmers on how to produce raw milk in a low-risk way, and um, in that way, we're healing the food uh, chain—a much better food chain for the farmer, for the consumer. For the for the for the cows themselves, for the earth, carbon sequestration, um, for the pastures, it, it's just good for everybody.
0: And on your website, people can be able to go there and see which states have farmers and are farmers listed there. When people can reach out to them to say, "Hey, I'm in this state. I would like to purchase some raw milk. Do you have exactly. a directory for that?"
1: Exactly. Uh, in, in Wisconsin, you would uh, get a hold of Grassway Farms. Uh, but you can go to Raw Milk Institute, rawmilkinstitute.org, and we actually have a place where you can actually go search for raw milk from a raw milk producer. Um, there's two different maps. There's one that's done by uh, the Real milk, uh, com people at West St. Price. They've done a great job of, of, um, of creating yeah. a map that's got all kinds of production all over the world. And then we've got one that's uh, from the Raw Milk Institute where our certified farmers are actually listed as well. So, yes, you can find raw milk. But well, I'm the available out there. Just make sure it comes from a place where the farmer knows what he's doing. That's all.
0: <clears throat> and when you said this helps build your immune system, so we want to encourage people to even do the kefir, which I'm sitting here looking now. I have to sip my kefir grain in a few minutes. Uh, to, to do the kefir grain that will help build up the probiotics and build your immune system so your body can fight. Is there anything else that you want to share with us that you feel that is important for us to know, um, especially for the people who kind of draw their nose up and think, well, I don't know about raw milk. You know, they say it's unsafe and they don't trust
1: it. You have to, you have to remember one thing. who Who is saying it's unsafe?
2: Who <laughs> is saying that?
1: Who is saying it? Those that don't want you to go out and connect to a farmer. Now, here's the thing. We have two peer-reviewed articles out now in the literature, PubMed published, NIH approved, that say that Raw Milk Institute produced farm milk is extremely low risk, very, very low risk. No deaths in 50 years. No deaths recorded at all, ever. And very, very few illnesses, and no, no illnesses in the last five years. Zero. There have been 84 people that have died from pasteurized milk in the United States in the last 30 years. Eighty-four. And hundreds of thousands have become sick. So. Any idea that a guarantee of safety is coming from, from pasteurized milk is not true at all. So you need to, do, you know, people need to do their own homework and stop listening mm-hmm. to those that have an agenda. Do your own homework. Mm-hmm. Do your own homework, and look at the science. Look at the hard studies, and try to recognize who has an agenda. What are they trying to prove? What are they doing? You know, whenever we try to change laws in the United States to make raw milk legal, guess who shows up to fight against us? The processors and the FDA. Other farmers don't. Processors and the FDA. Well, I'm sorry. Show me a consumer that doesn't want raw milk. We've got all the consumers on our side. We say we want raw milk. We've been drinking it. We love it. It's fantastic for us. You don't ever have consumers saying they don't want raw milk. You've got consumers saying they want raw milk. Well, who do we serve as farmers? We serve consumers, not processors, and certainly not the FDA.
0: What about infants? Can infants drink raw milk? If the mom don't that's what they get for their, their
1: mama. Baby, that's what they get for their mama. Raw milk from mother's so breast is raw milk. It's not pasteurized. Children do very, very, very well on raw milk. Where they don't do well, it's on pasteurized milk. It's hard to digest. Remember, pasteurized milk is an incomplete food. It doesn't have its enzymes, probiotics, nothing. It's all been denatured. Remember, children do best on raw milk. All my grandkids, all six of them, went from breast to raw milk, and, and they started within a couple of months to do raw milk, and they continued to have breast, breast milk out to six or eight months, but they were supplemented with raw milk and did very, very well with it, and they, they continue to consume raw milk and do very, very well with it. And they're very, very healthy.
0: Now, what about, you said other parts of the world, they're drinking raw milk. If, explain, so any in any um. Like in Africa and I know um, other parts of the world has embraced raw milk with no problem there too
1: No, I think that um, there are all kinds of problems around the world. Um, you look at the European Union, there's a lot of jealousy where processors don't want to see raw milk become a, a thriving uh, competition to them. But yet, in the UK in the Great Britain, there's one hundred and seventy raw milk producers that have a permit from the Food Safety Agency in the U.K. to produce raw milk for human consumption. But they, they can only sell it on the farm. They can't sell it in the stores. So everybody's got their own little challenge. I know in France and in Switzerland and in Italy, you can buy raw milk in vending machines um, on the street. Um, the farms deliver cold milk to the vending machines every two days. and uh, So you get fresh, cold, raw milk right there in a, in a milk mat call them milk mats uh, in hundreds of locations across Europe. So it's it's a location-by-location location kind of thing. Everybody's got their own little local thing they've got going on in terms of politics.
0: Wow. Wouldn't it be nice if we can bring back the milkman? Remember, I, I remember as a kid growing up, the milkman used to deliver milk to our house to be able to have raw milk delivered to people's home again uh, like they did back yep. in the old days. Wouldn't that be nice?
1: Yeah, it would be great. It's happening right now in parts of California, and then we have the milk ban coming back. The only problem with the milk ban is it needs the milk needs to be kept cold. And when people go to work and the mom's not home anymore, how are you going to get it into the house and put it in the refrigerator? That's the problem. Right. Um, delivering the milk to the house, you know, fresh milk needs to go directly into the cold storage because if not, it's going to become sour. Right,
0: right, right. And, you know, back in the day, we used to have milk in our at our doors, you know, in on the side of the house of milk chute, the man would come in and we would take the milk out the milk chute. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, taking, I'm, aging right. myself. <laughs> I'm aging myself. That's
1: right. Well, that's right.
0: But uh, I'm, I'm just really grateful for you taking time on the show with us to educate us about um, milk, the benefit of milk to help all the nutrition that's in there, all the vitamins that's in there and encouraging people to try, you know, do they give out samples at some of these milk farms for people to taste and things like that? Yeah. And do we give yeah, any, any chocolate
1: milk? Any, any, any raw milk producer will certainly give you a sample to taste, and you can make your own chocolate milk. Currently it's not legal to make chocolate milk. Um, it's been banned uh, because they don't want to have anything uh, any multiple ingredient products. They just want to have raw milk, nothing else put into it. So it's not legal that I'm aware of. Uh, anywhere in the United States, there may be some locality, some place that permits it, but I don't know of any. Um, but uh, yeah, getting a taste of raw milk, absolutely, absolutely. It should last you at least two weeks if you keep it cold. Uh, if wow. milk doesn't last very long, if if milk doesn't last very long, that's telling you that somebody didn't do a very good job of preparing it, um, especially if it has rising bubbles in it. Is that's telling you that coliform bacteria are growing, which is not bad, but it's it's fermenting early. You need to have that milk last two and a half to three weeks, uh, up to 20 days or so. And it will do that if the farmer did a really good job of doing the milk cleanly and chilling it very, very quick. And you keep it continuously cold, it'll last two weeks. Do really, really well.
0: Now, if, Say that someone don't finish their milk, do you educate people about making yogurt with that milk or making uh, cheese with that milk, or how do you do you educate people about doing that too?
1: yeah, yeah absolutely uh, amongst we have all kinds of recipes of what to do with fermented milk absolutely um, yeah, a lot of people uh, use it for uh, to make uh pancakes um, It's a wonderful sour milk makes great pancakes and, and you know yeah. if you feed your pets. Pets absolutely love raw milk. They get sick on pasteurized milk. Um, it's, uh, it's it's a wonderful food. It's a really wonderful food. And you can do all kinds of things with old raw milk. Kefir is probably the most popular thing to, to make.
0: Then give us your website and information if anyone is interested in raw milk or being educated on raw milk. Now, another thing, um, where are you? Do you? I know you do a lot of... Traveling, and I know you're a pilot. Are you still doing that hospital um, um, doctors the border um, business
1: yeah. uh, with the helicopter? Yeah, I I am one of the mission pilots for the Flying Doctors of Mercy uh, Liga, L I G A, out of Fresno. We go mm-hmm. down to Mexico. We actually suspended flight operations for the last couple of months because um, we don't want to get sick in Mexico with a bunch of coronavirus. But right. the bottom line is, yes, right. we do we do a lot of work down in Mexico. And I am a pilot. I love flying. I fly quite a bit around the state what what
0: what else do you what else do you do okay we got the raw milk institute you're a pilot with you know taking doctors to the borders what other things that we're missing here because I'm, you, you're pretty busy for your age <laughs> uh, well I, i'm yeah. i'm
1: 50, 50 i'm 59 years old i've got two children they're both grown they're in their 30s i've got six grandkids so i spend a lot of time with my wife who i dearly love been married for 39 years okay. um and she's a retired nurse. She had her master's degree in nursing. She delivered babies. Um, and we take you know, it's really, really a big part of the family operation. My daughter's very much engaged with our social platforms. Kaylee's a brilliant uh, uh, internet uh, social platform uh, work. You know, she does a lot of work with the marketing department. My son's the new president of our company now. He's the president. Um, and, wow. and we got six grandkids, so that keeps me really busy.
0: You are blessed, that's highly blessed Especially when you can take that and pass it on From generation to generation That is truly, yes. truly a blessing It, that, it
2: really, that really
0: that is Because you know, not too many kids Want to follow their parents footsteps, but you guys laid a foundation I think a spiritual foundation As well as uh, uh, a good foundation with your morals and values with your business. So, I appreciate you taking time on a Sunday to do this with us. And again, give us You're a welcome. website and uh, information on how to reach you.
1: I'll give you. I'll give you three websites. Uh, one is FarmersOverPharmacies.com. If you want to see mm-hmm. uh, experiences, testimonials from other consumers about their experience with peeling their gut, making their immune system stronger. That's FarmersOverPharmacies.com. You can go to RawMilkInstitute.org, RawMilkInstitute.org. If you want to find a farmer or if you're a farmer and you want to learn how to do raw milk well, that's the place to go. It's fantastic. Lots of science research. It's a nonprofit organization. Tremendous amount of research is there for the information about raw milk production and consumption and everything there. You go to OrganicPastures.com to visit our farm and see what we do with our cows and all the things we do here with touring and what we do here in California, uh, realmilk.com. Realmilk.com will give you a sourcing to find raw milk anywhere in the United States. That's part of West State Price. So that's your, your yeah. basic uh, basic stuff.
0: All right. I just want to thank you so much. I appreciate your time because um, I think we're in a new era in the United States, and I think a lot of people are going to go back. I think we're going to, it's going to be a good thing because more people are looking for the Organic farmers—they're looking for fresh fruits and vegetables. They're looking to take their own health in their hand to say, "Okay, what can I do to make my life better and my health better for my
1: family?" And And you know what? It works. It works. It works, Martha. It works. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's powerful.
0: It works. And we want this information for the next generation. You um, have—you said six grandchildren. I have yeah, four, sure and my mission as a mom and a grandma is to pass this knowledge on to the next generation because, you know, I didn't grow up on a farm or anything like that, but I know my grandparents did, and my grandmother lived to be 105, and she pretty she much for was her. watching her cook and pan and things, and she said she was tired, she was ready to go home, and that's what she did. She went home, and that she had that <laughs> full life, and she wasn't yep. on that lot of me- station and walking on a walker, she was walking, you know, and moving about. So I, we want that for the next generation. And that good health start with what we put in the inside before the baby's born, while they're born, and just feed, constantly feeding at that good food. So we want, and I know you, your mission with the pilots and doctors is for having people to have good health, not just with what they're yes, eating, yeah. but making sure that they can get good health. And I, that's what, right. God right. bless you with that and I hope he can see that blessing from generation to come. So I thank you so thank you. much for being on the show You're very welcome. and I'm just You're welcome. All right, we're going to take another break and we'll be right back. Thank you, Mark.
1: Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: All right, you're back with the Hour Network. I'm your host, Martha Patterson, and my guest was Mark McAfee. Uh, I want to just kind of real, uh, just kind of rehash why I'm here uh, with for your health, is to educate us about the products, things people have done to make their lives better. And a lot of times, we don't get this information through regular media, and sometimes families and friends doesn't share it. So I want to have this this platform of sharing with us information that can help better our life and better our health. With this coronavirus and so many people at home, you know, I've had many people on the show talk about the mental and emotional health because we're eating food that affects the frontal lobe of our brain, which affects our judgment, our mood, our attitudes, and alcohol, sugar, drugs, All of that has a profound effect on us and how we respond or act to loved ones or even someone that's a neighbor or family or friend. But we want to have a right mind. Um, My grandmother used to say when she wakes up, Lord, thank you for waking me up in my right mind. you got so many people with mental illness, emotional illness, that they're not in their right state of mind. And that gut affects the brain. And we want to realize, want you to understand and realize what you eat affects the brain. What you're putting inside your gut and your child's gut is affecting their academically emotional state of being. And we want you to understand. And it's not hard. Um, It can be a little challenging, you know, Like depending on where you uh, live. He talked about um, food desert in various areas. But I'm telling you, you know, there's many farmers out here checking out the real milk. Um, I'm encouraging people to check out the Western Price um, Foundation. Their website is full of great information and it's powerful that it empower you and your family for better health. and that's what we want better health. And many of us are in homes and stuff like that. so being, finding more people maybe cooking meals and staying home together. but knowing that we can go back to eating food that is healthy for you. And as I said before, many times I've went to the Black Farmers Conference and um, talked to many farmers, and they tell me I can't drink milk. I can't drink milk. And but they'll say in the same breath, as a kid I used to go and almost suck it right off the cow nipples. I was sucking the milk, and that's because it was raw. And you know, like I said, many people cringe and carry on that way. But my home daycare, I served those children raw milk uh, to drink. We uh, milled our fresh wheat. They didn't eat no uh, cereal out the box. We had nice meals, and none of the children, not one of the children ever had to stay home because they were sick with colds or flus or anything like that. We didn't have none of those issues in the daycare. So I want to encourage families and people to take time to do your homework, as Mark said before earlier. Do your research and understand the history of raw milk um Farrakcon um uh, they are uh, listening to one of their um speakers, in one of the um, things on YouTube talks about raw milk and raw milk fat and and the colostrum so there's people they're waking up, they're understanding that, and I had no clue. I thought raw milk pretty much had died off, but as Mark indicated, it has always been there's been pockets of farmers doing that throughout the United States that's never letting that um, banner down on the raw milk. But I applaud Mark for what he's doing, holding up that banner um, from an educational standpoint, from a political standpoint, and from a training standpoint of giving people powerful information and knowledge that will make lives better for the farmer as well as for the consumer. So I just want to educate Ourselves have you to educate yourselves as well as I'm educating myself about the benefit of raw milk. Here in Georgia, um, raw milk can be sold, but it says for pet consumption only. So, you know, the little joke there is I have two or three little pets at home, but we want people to know that um, raw milk is healthy. With this coronavirus, and what was interesting too, because with the coronavirus, they said the symptom comes on like a cold or flu. And we talked about that earlier, and a lot of times it's building a mucus in your uh, thing. And I didn't know. I thought the raw milk, but he indicated that the mucus comes in from the pasteurized milk, the raw milk. So I I applaud those who's out there, the farmers who are doing this. I pray that they continue to do this and that it spread. And maybe some people who have lost their job and saying, okay, you know what? maybe I want to do this, maybe I want to be this raw, far, uh, raw milk farmer um, to be a part of this because I think it's, it's room for them to do that to meet the American uh, demands because I truly believe we're in a new era. I don't know what's going to happen with this coronavirus. I know it's going to set a new order. I mean, I went to Whole Foods earlier today and you have to stand in line. And they're only letting so many people in at a time. And wearing a mask, going in the building, you're washing your hands, and you're doing all those things, which is for safety. I understand that. But, you know, the government telling you to stay in your home, don't leave your homes. You know, we have a whole new order. And then I'm, if we have interruption with food supply coming in and out of the city, The farmers is what we're going to need. The farmers is going to be our lifeline in various cities and communities. So get to know your farmers, support those farmers, because if that truckload or the people that's working in those factories and the coronavirus is taking them out where they can't even work in the factories, you're going to need your local farmers. We're going to need to support them and help them to stay alive Within our own community, and I think that's going to be very, very important for us to do that. The farmers that grow the vegetables, the ones that's milking the cows, and you know, uh, goat milk is also important. So we just want you to take time to check that out. Okay, we're going to take another break.
2: y'all
0: uh, we'll Power Network, this is our set.
3: Your style, your smile, your peace mentality Lord, have mercy on me I was blind, now I can see What I can't to to Baby, I feel free Come on and go with me
0: back with the D Hour Network. This is Marsha Thadison, your host for For Your Health. Okay, I just want to change um, the mood here a little bit. We were talking about raw milk, but I want to introduce to you guys, um, well, I'm going to be introducing to you guys my new website, Yesterday's Kitchen Butter May, will be going live next week. And what we're looking to do is to bring on consultants. I'm going to have a free webinar Educating families about coming aboard, uh, coming on board with me on educating on canning, fermenting, um, as we talked about earlier, making kefir, um, just showing families how we can empower ourselves with healthy foods in both body and mind. Um, also, you can be employed with this, um, like a home party business or webinar business. So for those of you who are sitting home saying, okay, I'm sitting home, I don't have work. Maybe this would be a great opportunity for thinking about owning your own business with yesterday's kitchen for today. I'll be giving more information on that in the webinar. We're putting things together where we want to be able to educate families one family at a time and you can earn, uh, earn an income on deciding on how you want to do it from canning, the fermenting, um, um, milling fresh wheat into flour, showing families how to go back to being self-sufficient. Growing your own food, making your own food, and having a healthy, better life for themselves and their family. So, that is so important for me as a mom and a grandma. And as you've heard many of my previous blog talks show, is to educate families. As I said before, I have no clue what tomorrow is going to hold for us. But as a mom and a grandma, it's important, I think, to me to pass this knowledge on from generation to generation. I think Mark is so blessed to have his children and grandchildren in that circle that support what he's doing and what God has given him the mission to do. So I pray for their health and their safety as he travels in the plane back and forth, and helicopters taking people, or just what they're doing. That God keeps them safe and protected for that family for generation to come, and I want that for every family. So this is why yesterday's kitchen for today, putting the power of good health back into the hands of the people by educating them, teaching and showing. That's how we reach the next generation. Tell that baby, come on, baby, come to the side of me. Let me show you how to can those peas. Let me show you how to ferment some um, cabbage, um, fermented beets, uh, how to be- ferment food, to probiotics. This is the food that is going to allow us to live and be healthy. And not only that, the milk. You heard Mark talk about how the milk stayed fresh and that you can't have to throw it away right away. You know, you see this expiration date, these milk can last a week, and then it's fermented weeks. And you can ferment it and you can make cheese with it. So a lot of time we waste things because we throw things away. And I had a conversation with a friend of mine earlier that we are a very wasteful nation because we do throw a lot of food away and we don't eat things. So, And now we're seeing food lines, long food lines throughout the United States where people do not have the resource to purchase food because they don't have the job. So we encouraging people. We're going to have, I'm going to try to see if we can get Baker's Creek Seed Company back on, encouraging people to buy heirloom seeds. At this time, you know, buy seeds that maybe you can pot. We're in the beginning of springtime, so this is the perfect time to be planting fresh fruits and vegetables. So if you have a nice backyard or if you have a patio where you can grow your own herbs or grow some tomatoes or grow something out of a pot, potatoes, something to be able to sustain yourself. Um, I know the food lines and people handing those out, that's fine, but we need to hand out seeds and have people, encourage people to grow their own fruits and vegetables. A couple years back, I think it was in 2013, I did a presentation on fermentation, uh, fermenting foods at Tuskegee University. And um, one of the ladies that was doing a presentation before me was talking about the urban... um, poverty in Alabama in rural areas and the poverty level and that um, people were poor and they had to get food to them. But as I was watching that presentation, I didn't see, yeah, the poorness that she was trying to display. I saw land sitting on maybe a half an acre or maybe an acre or a quarter acre. I saw land around these little homes that there was supposed to be in rural areas. And I'm thinking, okay, chickens can be in that yard. A garden can be in that yard. We have to be able to go beyond that thinking of the grocery store or someone handing us our food. As I said before, and I said this in the previous talk show when I've had preppers on, many different people on, we have to stop thinking about the fact that we have to have someone hand us something or give us something. Let's go back to learning how to grow our own food have the chickens in the backyard. So with the chickens, you can have your eggs or your meat. It's your choice. Have a garden and teach our children how to do that. So that means they have to put down the cell phone. They have to get out from the television to get away from the video games and teach them these skills because we have no clue what tomorrow holds for the United States 10 years from now, or 20 years from now. But you want to be able to give your children the skills and the knowledge to how to prepare and take care of themselves. And we're not doing a good job with the millenniums, some of the millenniums. There's some millenniums out there that, that I've met, they are off the grid, learning how to grow their own food, living in the little house, living with, just within their means. Instead of being consumers of everything, they want to buy everything. They're knowing how to make and provide for themselves. And I think this is important for us at this stage in life. And maybe this coronavirus, um, this plague, I call it, it seems to be coming just around Passover or Easter. Some people say Easter. I say Passover because I celebrate the feast. Passover, that the last plague in Egypt was the death angel plague. And now this death angel plague is going throughout all the world, and it's killing people. And as we said earlier, it's people with weak immune systems. Your immune system being whacked because of what we're eating, the antibiotics, the food, the medication we're being on, and our body has not defended itself, can't defend itself. We had Brenda Cox on our show last year, year before last. She had ovarian cancer and breast cancer from the Living Food Institute. This young lady, this lady, she now, what, 25, 30 years ago, she went to juicing, changing her diet, and she was able to allow her body to defend her, to keep her here. So we want people to be healthy in both mind and body. That's why we share this information. And I'm, I'm encouraging you to share it with your families and friends. But um, I want you to guys to pay attention. I will come on again once uh, we're finished with the website because yesterday's kitchen for today is going to be designed like a Mary Kay or Pamper Chef party where we want to bring consultants in, own your own business, host parties, and you don't even have to worry about inventory or cost. Because when you host a party, showing people how to can, deal with raw milk. And the goal of what we're going to be doing, too, is keeping those lists of farmers that has the raw milk, that has the grass-fed beef, that has the vegetables. So we're educating families about canning with fresh, fresh fruits and vegetables. We want to be able to have those farmers' names and lists in your area so you can support them. If we're encouraging you to do raw milk and showing you from our dairy class consulting uh, parties how to make kefir, how to make butter, how to make yogurt, how to make ice cream, then have the list of the farmers that you can get your fresh milk from. We want to educate, and that's what knowing, making that circle of healthy and supporting farmers within our community so important, so I'm encouraging you guys to stay tuned and then share with others about the show, and if you want to hear anything or if you're a farmer or you know someone that has a business that you want us to support, we'll do that, and I just want you guys to give us a call or email me and let us know, hey, Marcia, you're giving us information. We appreciate it, and we love it, so I just need to know what are we doing here. We've been doing this for two years. Um, not getting paid, but, you know, I get paid with laying seeds down, and that's a harvest that we want, a harvest of good health uh, for the next generation. So we want to be able to take care of the next generation. That is so important to me is taking care of the next generation in mind, body, and soul. All right, we'll be right back. Sure. All right, we're back with the D-Hour Network. I'm your host, Marcia Patterson. I hope this show is giving people some great information, some knowledge that would empower them, as I said, in their family. Um, my business, Yesterday's Kitchen for Today, started out back in 2006, wanting to be that grandma and mom of the next generation to teach them what my grandparents and great-grandparents taught their children. So I'm hoping that people are listening so if you have any comments or anything you would like to share with me, you can go to my website at www.yesterdayskitchen4today.com. And just keep watching that. And also on my Facebook page, I have some great information on my Facebook page where I'm just sharing with you some knowledge and information that I've learned and I want to pass on. So please check out my Facebook page and my Twitter page. Um, I don't. Ha- I have an Instagram page, but I'm working on that. But you will be seeing soon, I'll be doing some videos on uh, how to, uh, I think I have a video out there right now on my website on making kefir grain. So I'm going to be bringing more and more videos. That's my mission, to be able to teach and to train and to assimilate this information from family, family, um, house to house. And if you're interested in... Um, becoming a yesterday's kitchen for today consultant or hosting a party we're looking at doing parties virtually doing work uh virtual parties a uh, webinar parties seeing that we're now kind of in our space we stay at home the virtual party is going pretty good my daughter did a zoom party we did a zoom party earlier yesterday i mean yesterday afternoon with some families and friends and just saying hey how you doing We haven't been to visit each other, but it was just a fun way of us getting together and seeing their faces and catching up. So um, that's important. So I think um, if you're interested, please check me out on my website and my Facebook page and hit me up and share. Um, Share the information if you like it. Uh, Share it with families and friends. Because it's not just about us making ourselves better, but making our community and our families and friends around us also better. So I just want to thank you guys for being on my show tonight um, and listening. And please check out RealMilk.com, and uh, I think he mentioned some other ones. Uh, the Farmers Pharmacy, Farmers and Pharmacy, something like that. I just hit my nose from myself. But all right, you guys have a blessed week and make it safe with your families and friends. And um, I hope to see you. I'll, I'll see you next week. And hopefully my goal is to have um, Roberta on with the um, wait a minute, Hypoglycemic Foundation. And I think that's important. We're talking about uh, people's um, blood sugar level and how that affects their attitude, their moods, and their swing. And Roberta giving a testimony about her life and how it affected her. And we're going to be having on some more guests on again. So stay tuned, and I'm going to try to bring as much healthy information that would empower us, that would enable us to do better for ourselves and our family. All right, you guys, be blessed. And have a safe week because we're done for the day. Thank you. hour network. We're at the end of the hour. Um, I just want to wish everyone a safe and a safe and also take care of yourself. And one thing I'm saying uh, go back and listen to our previous blog talk about the coronavirus and some of the steps people are taking to keep themselves safe and keeping their families healthy. So everyone be blessed and be safe. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.
2: I'll vote to you If you can Pull the country through You're the man